Drag up that diesel. What is good? What is good? This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. I am back after like a two-week hiatus that was only supposed to be a one-week hiatus, and then life got in the way, and it just so happened to be on arguably one of the most important stretches of the Washington football team season. My apologies on that one. But we're back now, and we have the most important game of the season ahead of us, flexed into Sunday night. It is simple. You win and you're in for the Washington football team. And oh, by the way, we just dropped our former first-round quarterback. So it has been a very, very hectic, very, very busy uh, few weeks, few days, really, for the Washington football team. We will start briefly with the Dwayne Haskins stuff, just get it out of the way, because look, it's Wednesday when I'm taping this now. You might be listening to this on a Thursday or a Friday, so you know the Dwayne Haskins is gone. We don't need to spend too much time harping on it. I don't really care about him now that he's not a part of our franchise, but I did find it funny this morning when I got on Twitter and I came across the tweet, I think it might have been from... I think I might have seen it first from Adam Schefter. I don't know if he had it first, but I saw it first from Schefter that said Dwayne Haskins and his agent are mutually parting ways. And I thought to myself, uh, trying to do my best to remember this correctly, and not 100% sure if I do, but I'm like 99% sure that I do. Uh, His agent was the guy that was subtweeting people in this organization after Dwayne Haskins went from quarterback one to street clothes all the way back a few weeks ago. So, man, really sucks to see those guys mutually part ways, doesn't it? I guess life comes at you really, really fast here in the National Football League. But Dwayne Haskins' time in D.C. has come to a close. It will not be remembered very, very fondly, uh, to put it lightly. I had high hopes for Dwayne Haskins. I was reminded by some very nice New York Giants fans that really held on uh, to a podcast that I did at the start of the season where I said that Dwayne Haskins was better better than Daniel Jones. Uh, they reminded me that that was not correct, so uh, kudos to them for that one. Daniel Jones, however, still sucks, so congratulations to the Giants fans for that. Uh, but Dwayne Haskins is now gone. And uh, I came across a report, you came across this report as well, I'm sure, uh, that Ron Rivera wanted to cut Dwayne Haskins prior to the game this past weekend against Carolina, and he was talked out of doing so. And my biggest question, and this is something that I really don't want to be true, and it's something that I think I, I already know the answer of, but... When it said that Ron Rivera was talked out of cutting Dwayne Haskins, what exactly does that mean? Is that like a scenario where your friend talks you off the ledge for doing something stupid when you're intoxicated type of deal? Or is that Dan Snyder coming 
to Ron Rivera and saying you are not cutting Dwayne Haskins despite the fact that you want to. Because those two scenarios, very different. Very, very different. And I think we can all come to a conclusion as to which one was more likely. And unfortunately, it wasn't the first one. He was talked out of cutting Dwayne Haskins. He should have done it after the photos uh, were released. But I understand from his perspective maybe why you don't, regardless of whether or not Dan Snyder and, and that scenario actually literally took forth verbatim where he said, uh, don't cut him or else type of deal. Regardless of that, I understand from Ron Rivera's perspective, everything that he has done this season, every single decision that he has made has been in the effort to get Washington into the postseason. I do find it a bit ironic that he benched Dwayne Haskins because he thought the team had a better chance without him to get into the postseason, and then it came down to Dwayne Haskins last week as to whether or not the team was actually going to get into the postseason. It sucked from a fan's perspective, but there was from the outside looking in and and kind of removing the bias I have towards this organization there is something ironic about that, the way that unfolded. That Haskins was the guy who beat the the Panthers, got Ron Rivera fired from Carolina, then was Ron Rivera's guy, and then Ron Rivera benched Dwayne Haskins because he thought Kyle Allen gave the team a better chance. And then fast forward to last week, and Dwayne Haskins was the guy with the team's playoff hopes on the line. Not the ideal way, I'm sure, that Ron Rivera pictured. Uh, his that that year, really, I mean, really that 365 day time span uh, unfolding, but such is life, I suppose. So I guess the the poor performance, um, the pictures, that weird handshake thing that he did with uh, Heineke, where I thought Dwayne Haskins was coming back into the game and got very scared for a second in the fourth quarter, uh, skipping out on the media, the the PR team attempting to do what they do best, which is uh, try and manage a terrible situation. I guess those were the four straws that broke the camel's back there. And that's what ended our time with Dwayne Haskins. And here is what I will say. I do think that Dwayne ultimately will get another shot in the NFL, and all I know is that when that eventually does take place, it is going to be one entertaining day on our little corner of the Twitter machine and just the internet in general. Washington football team social media is going to be a fun day whenever it is that Dwayne Haskins takes the football field again as an NFL quarterback or in the XFL when that comes back or in whatever other spring football league somebody else tries to start up. I saw Johnny Manziel just join the league. Maybe he can go play with Johnny Manziel. I don't know. But whenever Dwayne Haskins is under center, or now in 2020-2021, we do the shotgun thing. Whenever he's on the field taking snaps again, we are going to have some fun on the internet. And it'll be at his expense, hopefully. And hopefully not at our expense for cutting him, and then he blossoms into something uh, awesome. But... I'm not putting my money on that one. That just is what it is. Now let's talk about the game we got at hand. Sunday night, 8.20 p.m. on NBC. The football team traveling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. What happens between the Cowboys and the Giants means nothing. It is all about what happens between us and Philadelphia. 
That decides the division. If we win, we are in. If we lose, I don't care who wins because it won't be us and that's all that matters to me. So the situation is pretty simple from our perspective. Philadelphia has no dog in the fight in terms of playoff positioning and the ability to win the division. So they're playing spoiler. We in the past have spoiled their chances or made their chances a little bit more difficult to make it into the postseason. But this is not the first time that Philadelphia has been the one team standing in our way between us and the postseason. And at least on one to two off the top of my head, I know of two uh, occasions over the past 15 years going all the way back to 2006. You remember the Sean Taylor fumble recovery touchdown, the iconic photo of him diving into the end zone. He had the Clinton Portis little sweep action where he's twisting across the goal line. I have fond memories of that. You have fond memories of that. That's what I think of when I think of Philadelphia standing in our way. And it just so happens that game in 05-06 happened to be in Philadelphia. So I would like to have those, those memories renewed with this team have that same scenario unfold, maybe not every single detail, because obviously we don't have the same personnel. I don't. There's not a single person on our roster or either roster that was playing in 2006. It's been a while. But I want to walk out of Philadelphia with the win. I want to wear some hats. Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator of Philadelphia, has insisted instead that there is now a no-hat policy in Philly. You know, we got to have a no-hat rule this week. We, we can't let opponents put um, division uh, win hats on um, at the link. And uh, there's a lot of pride in that, and uh, all our focus has to be to accomplishing that this week. My biggest question about what Jim Schwartz said there was the no-hat rule. Is that like a rule that Philadelphia is practicing, or could he just not think of a better way to explain that he doesn't want us to be wearing hats on their field because if they are participating in the no hat rule Doug Peterson already broke it he had a visor on in his press conference today those comments from Jim Schwartz were yesterday which means about 24 hours less than 24 hours if they were actually implementing a no hat rule in their facility with their team they already broke it I don't know if they were trying to do what Ohio State did when they play Michigan when every single player on the Ohio State team Every single fan of the Ohio State football team, every single person that goes to Ohio State completely bans the letter M from their entire vocabulary, at least on the internet for a week. I don't know if the Eagles were going to that extent when it came to this no hat rule, but if they were, they already broke it, which means I think in turn, good things for us because they can't even follow their own rules. I guess that means we're going to beat the brakes off of them. At least fingers crossed. That's what I'm hoping for. This is an interesting matchup for so many different reasons. I feel like throughout the course of the week, a lot of people are going to bring up the week one matchup. And I think there are things that took place in that game that do make a whole lot of sense to mention in terms of getting prepared and previewing this game. But there's also so many things that happened in that game that really don't make any sense to focus on because both teams' offenses were so drastically different. Carson Wentz was leading the helm for Philadelphia. Dwayne Haskins was leading the helm here. Neither of those two guys 
are scheduled to play unless something terrible happens to Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz has to come in on relief duty, but those two guys aren't scheduled to play. We didn't really know what we were doing at the running back position yet. If I remember correctly, Peyton Barber got the got the start and got the bulk of the carries, especially at the goal line. That's certainly not how that should unfold this week now that the emergence of Antonio Gibson being everything and more that we had hoped he was going to be and J.D. McKissick being an absolute stud. So our running back position has changed greatly. Our receiver position has changed greatly. We also, as I'm currently taping this, have no idea if Terry McLaurin is going to play. That's frightening in itself. And oh, by the way, we know who Philadelphia's quarterback is going to be. We have no idea who our quarterback is going to be. We know the options. It's either Alex Smith or it's Taylor Haneke. I would prefer, like you would prefer, Alex Smith. I have been praying for Alex Smith's calf muscle for the entirety of the past two to three weeks. I hope and pray that you have been as well. I'm doing a 24-7 uh, prayer circle. Feel free to join me at, at any time. I don't care what you believe in. We are just praying for the calf muscle of Alex Smith because Smith gives us the best opportunity to win the football game. There's no doubt about that. I, that's not really an opinion. I'm an opinionist on this podcast, but that's not really an opinion. Alex Smith gives us the best opportunity to win the football game if he's healthy. But the fact that he's not going through a full practice today, I was scrolling through Twitter, seeing some of the stuff, uh, the the guys, the reporters, the guys and the girls uh, were reporting from practice. Alex Smith uh, was doing some stuff on the sideline, but Heineke was getting a majority of the first team reps. And it's Wednesday. There's a few more days, obviously a practice Thursday, Friday, we might do a walkthrough on, on Saturday and then Uh, game time on Sunday. Here we go. That's one of the benefits, I guess, of the flexing action because we now start at 8.20 instead of 1 p.m. So you can take advantage of those few extra hours to get all the treatment for Alex Smith's calf muscle uh, to have him good to go. But at a certain point, I mean, we do have to have this serious discussion. If, If Alex Smith isn't taking the first team reps in practice, and he hasn't taken any first-team reps in practice for an extended period of time, do we just go with Heineke because he has the reps and because the offense is fresh in his mind? And, I mean, he played well last week. Would he be the better of the two options regardless of the health of Alex Smith? And quite frankly, I don't know the answer to that. I liked what I saw from Heineke last week. He seemed exceptionally comfortable in the offense, he was making a ton of the right reads, which was very nice to see. He made a couple really fantastic throws. I was watching that take place. I was like, wait a minute. Like, why did that dude not get in before before the time he did? Why did Rivera not put him in in the first half? Because that dude was slinging the football and the offense was moving, which is something they weren't doing with Dwayne Haskins. But the more pessimistic approach to that is that he was playing with house money. And sometimes when you're a quarterback coming in in relief and the defense is playing a little less aggressive, which I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how aggressive the play calling was for Carolina throughout the course of the game, but they were certainly playing a bit less aggressive in the second half and they were allowing Heineke to get to his spots and to make some good throws. Some of that is on the defense playing less aggressive. Some of that is the defense not really knowing how to prepare for this guy because there's no tape on him. And 
maybe that was him just playing with house money. It's something very similar that we have seen with Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is a is a fascinating quarterback, quite frankly. Uh, the first few games for Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts played like everybody who read his box scores when he was at Oklahoma thought he would play in the NFL. Last week against Dallas, Jalen Hurts played like everybody who watched Oklahoma when he was their quarterback, like they thought he would play at the professional level. We saw a much more real version of Jalen Hurts last week. And I'm hoping that's what we see again this week. But most importantly, I'm hoping that if Taylor Heineke gets the start, we don't see him revert to whatever the real, the quote-unquote real Taylor Heineke is. I would love it if what we saw against Carolina is the real deal. But you also got to take it into your head and say, well, this dude was picked up off the street. So was that actually real what we saw from him? I guess we'll find the answer out on Sunday because it seems like that's going to be the way that this offense goes. Again, I want to see Alex Smith out there. I think he gives us the best chance to win. But, I mean, let's run run it back with Heineke. Give him a full game and let's see what he can do to this Eagles offense. Of course, again, uh, a lot of that and a lot of my hope is that Terry McLaurin is out there because this offense and this receiving core is a very, very different receiving core without Terry McLaurin. I don't know if anybody needed that to be proven to them, but if you did, you got it. They are very different without Terry McLaurin. I do selfishly want to see McLaurin versus Darius Slay again because I I imagine if if Terry is healthy, uh, he's going to see a lot of Darius Slay and Slay will see a lot of of Terry McLaurin. But final thing here as we wrap up and preview the game. I know it's a Wednesday. It's weird to preview a game on the Wednesday because I don't know all of the injury uh, updates and status reports. Um, but one thing that we do just need to touch on uh, of the things that I feel like it is okay with and fair to look back on from the first matchup and say this is still applicable to what we could see on Sunday. That would be the way that we absolutely dominated Philadelphia's offensive line. And Jalen Hurts last week against Dallas got sacked five times. Well, we sacked Carson Wentz eight times on week one. Our defensive line, I think, is playing much better as a unit. And most of that is in large part to the fact that Chase Young is playing so much better as a singular player. So I imagine that he is going to put a ton more pressure on Philadelphia's offensive line and Jalen Hurts is probably a little bit easier to tackle than Carson Wentz because say what you want about Carson Wentz as a football player he's a very difficult dude to tackle like annoyingly difficult to tackle but I'm gonna put us and this will be I guess the bold prediction of the game I'm gonna put us in the realm of six to eight to maybe even more sacks this week which I know is a huge thing to predict yes but if Dallas can sack Jalen Hurts five times, I don't look at Dallas's front four, front seven, and think to think to myself, yeah, they're better than our team because they're not. Our front four, our front seven, in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, is the best in the division, 100%. Nobody else has a Chase Young. Nobody else has a Montez Sweat. I mean, Sweat has cooled off a little bit because there was a point in time in the middle of the season where he was playing just unbelievably lights out 
but I would like to see a performance where both Sweat and Chase Young play unbelievable, play lights out. I don't know if we've seen that yet, but I know at least at one point this season it's going to happen, so when better than now? When the division is on the line, you're in Philadelphia, you're in enemy territory, it's a win-and-you're-in situation. The defense has easily been the best part of this team for the entirety of the season. They've gotten us countless wins already this season. I mean, we beat San Francisco solely because of the defense. We beat Pittsburgh in large part to the defense. This defense wins us football games. Go out and do it against Philly again. That would be the perfect way to wrap up this season. No one anticipated this team to be in the spot that they are in, and understandably so. Sometimes I watch the team, and they still don't feel like a playoff team. I mean, hell, this is the last week of the season. We still haven't scored on the opening drive of a game. It just hasn't happened yet. Every single week, I've thought, all right, this is this is going to be the week. This is the week that we actually do it, and it hasn't happened yet. I'm not thinking that this is going to be the week. It would be great if it is, but this this team is built more around the defense, and I think the defense is going to go out there and win us a football game. Look, obviously, I'm taking Washington to win the ball game. I didn't have to tell you that. You already knew that. Hopefully, you are taking us uh, as well. I'm taking Washington to win the football game. I think we get into the postseason. We're probably going to play the Bucs. We're probably going to play Tom Brady, not overly enthused about that, but not looking too far ahead to that just yet. But I do think Washington, when all is said and done, we are celebrating on the internet on Sunday night. We're wearing hats in their stadium, breaking the rule that the Eagles have already broken that Jim Schwartz laid out. We have the hats. We are living life. We're celebrating. I think that's how it's going to unfold on Sunday night. Love to know your thoughts. You can hit me up on the Twitter machine at the Denton Day. You can follow me on Instagram too if you want that, just at Denton Day. I'll be on the internet having some fun. Come join us. Let's win a damn division on Sunday. Let's get after it. I'll see you soon.